1: Go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Sharp Lessons Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. We are wherever you are get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever it may be, we are there. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. And it's, uh, it's a Monday, Nate. He's Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. It's the day uh, we review the weekend, go over our bets, look at Monday Night Football, and we have MLB playoffs, too, to get to, Nate. So, uh Pretty pretty busy Monday.
0: Yeah, definitely October always a busy time of year in the sports calendar with football especially now that we have full college football back like this fall, NFL, MLB playoffs, and I know specifically this Friday the MLB playoffs there's going to be four games throughout the day that leads up into a fun week in of football and then NHL and NBA also starting. Oh, yeah. this month. I know uh, NBA preseason starting tonight and the yeah. NHL restarted their preseason. I know we won't talk much NHL on this show, but I'm sure Ben will have something up your sleeve for the the National Basketball Association, which I believe starts yeah. in two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know there was a preseason game last night, uh, Lakers
1: and the Nets, and I uh, so we're excited for that. I mean, I'll give out bets every, every episode we have for NBA once that season starts. Um, and I think I'm going to try to write something for watchstadium.com too. So that'll be fun for NBA in the middle of college football season, in the middle of NFL season. Uh, October really is the, the best month of the year for stuff like this. But Nate, a little bit of house cleaning for our weekend records for the best bets. Uh, good weekend for our best bets. We have five and two.
0: Yeah, 5-2. and two. I know, at least I'm kind of ashamed about the loser Wisconsin and, and <laughs> taking that bait and disappointing. I know that Florida didn't even didn't even win against Kentucky, although there was some, oh, some yeah. crazy unluckiness. Uh, not unluckiness, like they probably shouldn't have covered, but Kentucky definitely had some breaks go their way in that game.
1: Blocked field goal uh, for a touchdown. Yeah. How do you come back from that one?
0: They'll, that uh, they'll flip a spread, uh, especially in a game where not a lot of points were scored. Yeah. Well, we were definitely, I was happy with how we handicapped both Arkansas, Georgia, and Notre Dame, yeah. Clemson, betting the under. I know not many people want to bet the under, but when you have a mix of familiarity between coaching staffs and nagging injuries to the quarterbacks, those were pretty easy calls for us, and the ways, different ways we bet them. I was very happy that I bet Arkansas's team total under, and they got shut out, and then Cincinnati, Notre Dame, was relatively easy under. Maybe at the end got a little nerve-wracking, right. but but Cincinnati got out to that lead and scored points off turnover. So it it was probably even a lower scoring game than the the final scoreboard indicated. And then NFL teaser comes through for you, Ben. I was late to the party, uh, making a big bet on that on Sunday. I didn't get the the Vikings up to plus eight, so I held off. And then the Giants, New York football Giants. uh, Came through in a big way. Was think, was ready to throw in the towel when they were losing by eleven in the fourth quarter, yep. but Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense came to life despite missing two wide receivers and Sladen and uh, Sterling Shepard, and they got the the win in overtime, which makes it all look good. And then uh, and then last night the Sunday Night Football game, which I advocated for the Patriots. I'm happy they covered every number imaginable. I know the world was on the Bucks. I yep. just thought that the the number was just way too inflated and you're basically saying that the the Patriots at this game in Tampa would have been a ten and a half, eleven 11 point underdog and that would have never been the case and I think there was too much made and too much noise about like the Tom Brady revenge narrative and the weather definitely helped out a little bit but yes. uh I thought the Patriots played well and and if there was a path for the Patriots to cover it was Mac Jones having success through the year air and he was able to do that just some costly turnovers uh, doom them uh, in the second half
1: so for the records uh, I'm 12 and 8 on the year or 12 and 9 excuse me on best bets and you are 12 and 3 Nate and you're hitting an 80 percent clip uh, and the show itself for our combined best bets 24 and 12 uh, so this show if you're betting with the show you've won 67 percent of your bets so you're, you've been doing well and the show's been doing well
0: yeah, definitely, and I think our joint best bets, I think six and one, because we got another one with Cincinnati yes. Notre Dame, so whenever yeah, we kind of see eye to eye, it works out uh, in our favor, yeah. other than one game last week, so hope to keep it up. Already a lot of games that I've actually circled already. I think I'll have some more uh, bets this week than I did last week, when I was kind of light on the NFL, and ended up betting a lot of college, and all the hangover games came through, which was nice. Um, yes. So, Yeah, let's get get to it and and think about what we want to do uh, for this week.
1: Well, we had a sweat of the week also uh, coming
0: from Manhattan,
1: Kansas. Kansas State uh, getting under the wire there (laughs) to cover that game against Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, Kansas State... At home, they got a surprise announcement that their quarterback, Skylar Thompson, was going to play, which I don't think anyone really expected, at least during the week. I think that was basically made known on Sunday. But Oklahoma was still a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. They kick a late field goal to go up 13, and they're leading by 17 going into the fourth quarter. And then Kansas State, with just over a minute left, returns a kickoff, 93 yards, for a touchdown, to cut the lead to six. Onside kick goes Oklahoma's way, so... Uh, Oklahoma gets the win, but when you when they kick that field goal to go up 13 with a minute left,
1: yeah, you had to be feeling
0: very good that Oklahoma would would cover. I think that line was actually like 10 10 and a half early in the week, so there was definitely some steam on Oklahoma up to uh, 12 and a half where it closed at, and then that kickoff return changed everything. So not many yeah. sweats of the week, but if you had Kansas State, that's your positive spin on a bad <laughs>
1: And we also have some takeaways that we want to take away from the weekend. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? The biggest takeaways that we have going forward, because there was a lot that we could take away, at least I thought. um, And you you hit on it a little bit with that Sunday night football betting. um, And you said it even last week where we talked about if you want to take the Patriots, wait until you hear Carrie Underwood start singing the Sunday night football theme. Wait till she gets to that last note and then finally hit that Patriots money line or the Patriots spread, whatever it may be. Um And if you hit the Patriots' money line, that is a, a bad sweat of the week, I guess, towards the end of that game. Um, But the spread-wise, you're in luck because the Patriots covered not only the full game spread, but the first half spread, the second half spread, and they were on top of this whole game.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking when the Patriots were losing – or sorry, the Buccaneers were losing by one. I'm, see, I'm going to confuse the Patriots and Bucks just because Brady's involved. And, oh, and Brady that was, was happening a staple.
1: All, week so weekend the- or all Sunday. <laughs>
0: So I, I mentioned how like I wanted to wait till the game as soon as late as possible, but because of Rob Gronkowski's injury, Giovanni Bernard, the Patriots had to close plus six and a half. So even though there was all this money on the Bucks, like ninety five percent of the handle that sportsbooks were reporting on the Bucks, it actually went down from seven to six and a half. And I was thinking that when the Patriots, or sorry, the Bucks were down by one point, they were driving. That if they go up five, this two point conversion is going to be the most important two point conversion in the like history of sports betting because of how <laughs> much money was at swing stake. Like that could have been, yeah. I would imagine at least for some sports books, million dollar swings. Depending on when you have got the number, but like the difference between the Bucks winning by five and the Bucks winning by seven would basically be the maybe the difference between a sports book being up for the month and down for the month. So that was a huge a huge potential but they did settle for field goals the bucks and they lo- they won by two. So it never got to that point but I was just thinking about the references Al Michaels would have made if it got to that point where the bucks were up 5 with a pending two point conversion late in the fourth quarter to try to go up seven. Yeah, that would have been a uh
1: Sports bettors dream and or nightmare, one of the two, or a nightmare for the sports books. It was a lot going on, um, but it was a fun game. And obviously, I mean, these sports books were taking like the most handle they have had since like the Super Bowl and NFL playoffs since last year. So it was a very high bet game. And then when you see something like that, right, when you see everyone betting one side and you see that line not really moving a lot, to me, mate, that like triggers something in my head like an alarm where I'm thinking, all right, maybe you really have to start looking at betting the underdog here.
0: Yeah, and I just thought the line was always inflated, and there was, I mentioned there's a lot of narrative built into it. And I think one of the reasons it never got to, like, 7.5, even though there was so much money at 6.5 and, and, I guess, 7, is because if the game did land 7, that sportsbooks would have lost everything because there would have been plenty of professional bettors out there who are just scalping the best numbers who would have taken the Patriots plus seven and a half. And if that game fell seven, it'd be doomsday for the sports books. Yeah,
1: absolutely. A couple other things we wanted to take away the Cardinals. And I put this on Twitter on stadiums, Twitter yesterday. And I asked, are the Cardinals the best team in the NFL? And shockingly, at least for me, they, uh, the answers were surprisingly, no, I think more, there's like 60, 40 people said, no, they don't think the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL. But they looked really good Nate against the Rams. I mean that offense is just churning at all cylinders and Kyler Murray has jumped up in the MVP rankings and the MVP odds um, from like plus 750 to plus 450. I mean everything is going right for the Cardinals right now and betting wise I don't know if we're gonna get them as an underdog for most of the rest of the season at least a four and a half point underdog but they I mean they just look unbeatable
0: right now. Yeah, I think I was part of that group that uh voted no. I saw that immediately. And it is there four 0 like if you're if you're looking at like the you know, the average power rankings that comes out that just regurgitate the standings, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they're number one this week, but I mean, they still were over a field goal underdog to the Rams. Like if they played that game next week, I mean the Rams I still think would be a favorite at home. Well they would be a favorite at home. Maybe those two teams are even. And the, I still think the the Bucks, the Chiefs, the Bills, more complete, better teams than the Cardinals right now. But, I mean, you can't take away what they did last, yesterday in L.A. A lot of money on them all week. It was plus six early in the week when we were talking last Monday. Got down to four and a half. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe there'll be some money back in on the Rams. But – There wasn't. Cardinals got all the money. On game day, I was looking and it closed three and a half, which I was, you know, pretty surprised with considering Cliff Kingsbury 0 4 against Sean McVay. Sean McVay kind of owning the Arizona Cardinals in his four year career. Now it's kind of wondering, now there's expectations on them. They come off this big win. They're a substantial favorite, at least compared to the look ahead line against the 49ers. We saw them perform well in week one as underdogs and then fail to cover in week two at home as favorites against the Vikings. It kind of feels a little bit similar where they were underdogs yesterday, had their A-plus game. Now can you trust them as favorites when there's expectations on them? I think this is a game we'll talk about more later in the week when the 49ers, and later in the show actually with 49ers, Cardinals, uh, week five.
1: And finally, this was a note you put in here, um, and I, I would love an explanation for this, but you said bet first half in the NFL instead of betting, uh, I would assume, the total or betting unders in a full game. Yes,
0: yes. There was three games yesterday, and one we actually had was the brunch time winner selection, Titans-Jets, yeah. 3 nothing after the first quarter, so that was a winner. And good thing you bet. we bet first quarter and not full game under, because I know there was a lot of steam on the full game under, because the final score of that was 27-24, it was 10-9 in the fourth quarter, and then the game kind of goes bonkers and that, yeah. and that full game cover. So first half covers, and then two other games, Giants-Saints scoreless after the first quarter, 7-7 at halftime, and then 21-21 uh, at, at the end of regulation, and the Giants score to take that game over. Um, and that total opened, I think, at one place, 47, closed 42, so... Uh, a lot of smart money who had the under very uh, very good numbers ended up losing, even though it looked like a slow paced game. And then the biggest one, Dolphins Colts, which you would have never thought would be a high scoring game, and after the 30 no. minutes didn't look that way, seven three ends up 27 17 and goes over the total. So I think, especially in these like early noon games, we've just seen this trend of like in week three, all the first quarter unders came through. And I believe the week before, a lot of the first half unders and full game or first half, first quarter unders came through. So if you like an NFL game, especially if the total isn't that high, just because there's so much like a like a like one mistake could really flip everything, going first half under while the teams are feeling them out is a better way to go than full game under. And in those three instances, if you had full game under, it looked very good for probably about 30 to 45 minutes of the game and then fourth quarter, just a lot of – uh, end game stuff that we see so often in in the National Football League
1: yeah that's that's a nice little uh little teaser for what's to come for the Monday Night Football bets that I'm thinking of uh making tonight but Nate let's do uh let's do a quick rapid fire with our uh opening bell Looking at some college football opening lines from yesterday and how much movement they have been. Um, there are a lot of really fun college football games this upcoming weekend. And I thought last weekend, last Saturday, was really fun. And this Saturday, I think, is going to be even more fun because we're going to have a lot of important yeah. ranked matchups. Um, I think this is, you know, you could say this about a lot of weeks, but this is, I think, really the week where we see what teams are going to be the serious teams and which teams you may want to stay away from betting for the rest of the season. But we can start with the uh, Red River rivalry, Oklahoma-Texas. Uh, that'll be in Dallas with the look-ahead line, minus five in favor of Oklahoma. It opened on Sunday at Circa with Oklahoma minus three. Um, and that line moved a little bit, and now it's back
0: to Oklahoma minus three. Yeah, Texas survived a potential trap game, look-ahead game against TCU, winning by five. Closing, or um, covering, are the... Closing number, Oklahoma, as we mentioned, we're winning, probably should have covered, didn't cover. But Oklahoma, I think just this year hasn't looked that good. They barely beat Nebraska. They barely beat West Virginia as big favorites. And now, just because, you know, Texas and Steve Sarkeesian has kind of figured it out with the offense after a, a tough week two loss at Arkansas, I, this game ends up, might end up being the, I guess, both two teams make it into the Big Ten title game or 12. Big 12 title game. So it's you know not the deciding game, but a big big game for both teams to see how Texas has caught up to Oklahoma, especially this early in Steve Sarkeesian's tenure. So not surprised that the number did move a little bit down. It looked like there was some early money on Oklahoma, and then people bought back on Texas. So I feel like Oklahoma minus three is kind of where the number is going to stay throughout the week. But before the year, Oklahoma would have probably been like a 10-point favorite with uh, they had a line open for this game in the summer so quite an adjustment from where we were in the preseason Alabama at Texas A&M the look ahead line was Bama minus
1: 14 and a half of course it opened up a little bit higher on Sunday at circa minus 16 for Bama and people saw how poorly Texas A&M has played the past couple weeks and just how solid Alabama looked on Saturday and that line now sits at Alabama minus 17 and a half Nate you know me, I'm probably going to go Alabama first half, and I'm going to continue to do Alabama first half for the rest of the season.
0: I can't talk you out of that one. Texas A&M really struggling to score. Zach Calzada just kind of showing why he was the backup entering the season for Texas A&M, even though there may have been a little bit of a quarterback competition. So yeah, Alabama's the only way I could look. Texas A&M, our, one of our only blemishes this year on the podcast so far yeah, was we're out. having a and against that. Arkansas. And then last week is about touchdown favorites. They lose to Mississippi State, who the week prior lost to LSU at home. So, I mean, I could have, you know, can't bet on Texas a and I can see this number going up. Wait till the first half. If you get first half Bama, anything uh, ten or better. Uh, that's going to have to be a bet. I can see Alabama really uh, putting it on, especially because Nick Saban does so well against old assistant coaches and. We saw with Lane Kiffin on Saturday, one assistant coach that uh, went down, and Jimbo Fisher used to be on Nick Saban's staff when he was at LSU. We are uh, we are very much out on Texas A&M. I, I'm not touching Texas A&M for the rest of the season. They ruined Wisconsin Wisconsin. our best bets perfect streak. Wisconsin and Texas A&M. They're yeah, they're no, they're, they're
1: out. They are out. <laughs> Penn State at Iowa, my favorite matchup of the weekend, top five matchup. Very uh, important big ten ramifications here too, in the standings. look a headline um on draftkings was Iowa minus one and a half. It opened as a pick' em on Sunday, and people really like Iowa, Nate, because it has been bet to minus two and a half. It was already up to a field goal favorite for Iowa this morning. A little bit more money went down to Penn State. um I was really heavy on Iowa last week against Maryland. I still kind of like him in this position against I against Penn State.
0: Yeah, total forty-one and a half. So expect a very low-scoring game. I, I understand why the line is. I think it makes sense that once it got to Iowa minus three in a game with such a low total, that some money came back in on Penn State. Like it, it makes sense that this line is Iowa's a favorite, but not more than a field goal. Iowa's coming off obviously a great performance against Maryland on the scoreboard, winning fifty-one to fourteen. They also had seven turnovers, which helped a lot when they scored 31 second quarter points. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I was not legit. We have talked about how they've had a lot of turnover luck this year, but there are also a lot of interceptions. So that also is more in, you know, predictives and fumbles and fumble luck. So excited to see this game. I mean, number four against number three. Um, the Should game we'll definitely talk about Wednesday. I think we'll break down the matchup a little more, but I was just fascinated that this line opened Pickham and Iowa has seen the early money in this game as they're hosting Penn State.
1: All right, we got two more. And the one that is the most interesting in terms of line movement is this Arkansas at Ole Miss game. Opened Ole Miss as a two-point favorite yesterday on Sunday. And now it has moved four and a half points in favor of Ole Miss. Uh against an Arkansas team that just last week people were considering like the darling of the SEC and they were ranked eighth in the country and people were really high in them. And now you have this line and people are really
0: hammering Ole Miss at home. Yeah, I think both teams were actually the darlings of the SEC because Ole Miss was up to 12 and they got a lot of support in the market against Alabama. Both teams kind of going through demoralizing road w- losses against the two best teams in college football interesting to see how each team responds but yeah as you mentioned Ole Miss opening two all the money coming in on the Rebels up to six and a half I wonder if there's a little bit of injury stuff going on with Arkansas they really didn't show well at Georgia at all but Ole Miss they had some opportunities early on to at least get on the board and maybe make the game respectable but failing some fourth and shorts doomed them so I think you know it, this line indicates Ole Miss is the better team, but I wonder if it gets seven, we'll see some buyback on Arkansas.
1: Michigan at Nebraska, Michigan minus one, an opener on Sunday yesterday, and now it's been bet to Michigan minus three. They look good. They looked good on Saturday. K. McNamara was throwing it left and right against Wisconsin. Um, but this minus three number at Nebraska uh, could be could be a little bit of a letdown for Michigan.
0: Yeah, I agree. Second straight road game after being in Ann Arbor all year. I guess Michigan did impress me. If I, I mean, I bet against them, against Wisconsin, with the handicap good. that Michigan wasn't going to be able to throw the ball on Wisconsin. But McNamara did impress me. Nebraska now, I was actually hoping this line would be a little higher because Michigan looks so good against Wisconsin. But then Nebraska and, and their opportunity absolutely destroyed Northwestern. So I wasn't going to knew I wasn't going to get a bargain when these, this line opened. I thought Michigan minus one kind of indicates these teams are a little more equal, even though the reputation of Nebraska isn't so great right now, but two weeks ago, they should have beat Michigan state. Um, they gave up a punt return for a touchdown up seven, which, which doomed them. And then I you can throw out that week zero game against Illinois. That that was so long ago that I think that ne- Nebraska transformed and a better team. So And at plus three, I think Nebraska is the way I'd look. I'm just wondering if this line maybe goes up a little more. This is also a night game in Lincoln, so it's going to be a really raucous atmosphere uh, for Michigan, even though they did succeed in one at Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon.
1: All right, so those were our college football plays. We're going to talk all about more that we really like on Wednesday and ones that we're actually going to start betting and and some of the numbers we're going to hit. But let's look at some of the biggest NFL line moves um, from Sunday's openers. Uh, and what we're looking at for NFL Week 5. And, uh, Nate, these lines have uh, moved three points from last week's look-ahead line. Um, we'll start with uh, there's three games we want to look at. Titans at Jaguars is the first one. Jaguars plus 7.5. They now are at plus 4.5 against the Titans.
0: Yeah, I think this is all because of the injury situation for the Titans wide receivers Julio Jones and A.J. Brown missing yesterday with hamstring injuries. We saw the Jets take a lot of money, closing five and a half at some spots. So this look-ahead line was out before those injuries were kind of taken into effect and are impacting the line. So I think this line would be accurate if both those players missed. If not, then there might be a little bit of a buy low spot on the Tennessee Titans. Plus the Jaguars showed out well on Thursday night, so maybe they're starting to figure some things out in Jacksonville after a Pretty horrible start to the season.
1: We've got Broncos at Steelers. Um, The Steelers have moved from a two-point underdog to a one-point favorite against the Broncos. And you'd have to imagine, Nate, right, that that's just because we don't really know what Teddy Bridgewater's injury or how long it's going to last uh, for that concussion that he suffered on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater leaving Sunday's game against the Ravens for concussion. He's in concussion protocol So it's a three-point line move, but it's also through zero, so that's not as significant, not not through a key number. But I think it's worthwhile to note that the market is very down on Drew Locke compared to Bridgewater, especially since the Steelers failed to cover. And Ben Roethlisberger just looks like he's – He's aging a year every uh, every week, and he really Ooh. looks rough. And yeah. I mean, the total of this game is super low. I think it was 40.5 the last time I checked. So regardless of who's the quarterback, don't expect a lot of points in this game. I think this game could end up being a good teaser with whoever the underdog is. You know I love a good teaser, Nate, so I'm, I might jump on that one. 49ers at the Cardinals,
1: and what we talked about at the beginning of the show, I mean, the Cardinals look like one of, if not the best team in the NFL uh, they started as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the 49ers, and then after Sunday's performance against the Rams, they moved to minus five-and-a-half against San Francisco. In this game, they're going to be playing the 49ers at home in Arizona, uh, but that is a that is a really interesting number at minus five-and-a-half right now.
0: Yeah, r- minus five-and-a-half is three-point adjustment, but through a key number of three and the secondary key number of four, so I think a little bit more significant than some of the other line moves we talked about, but I think this is more about – Jimmy G getting hurt, the calf injury that sidelined him in the second half. Trey Lance coming in, kind of playing like a rookie who didn't have many games in the last few seasons and played in the uh, FCS level. So I think Trey Lance was drafted to be a project. Jimmy G was expected to be the starter, so it's a bit of a downgrade from Jimmy G to Trey Lance. But at some point, I'm definitely going to be tempted to take the 49ers, especially giving Trey Lance a full we to prepare in a Kyle Shanahan offense, and as I mentioned, we see we saw the Cardinals do this as an underdog earlier in the year at Tennessee, and then fail to cover his favorites against the Vikings. It's now true. they're in the favorite role at home. If this line gets to six, I'll definitely be at least considering the 49ers and hope that some of their other injury situations kind of clear up and that they have a decent injury report by the weekend.
1: Yeah, from what I've learned from these first couple weeks of betting NFL, Nate is if you look at a number. As a favorite and you're like, this is a little too low. You're probably thinking the wrong way because in the NFL, you're just, you're not going to get that dominance week in and week out. The Cardinals, I just, they're not probably not going to dominate the 49ers like what we saw from the Rams. It's just, it is so hard to maintain that consistency in the NFL week to week. And especially if you don't think the Cardinals are as good as everyone thinks they are. And it seems like the market thinks they're better than a field goal favorite than the 49ers. This is the perfect number to hit that San Francisco team.
0: And and last year, the 49ers had nothing to play for, and the Cardinals had everything to play for, and and the 49ers with C.J. Bethard went into Arizona with no fans, but they still won that game, so Kyle Shanahan has schemed up for a lot worse quarterbacks and have bested this Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals team, so I know that a lot of people are out on the 49ers, and, and that injury to Jimmy G does hurt them, at least for the short term, but... I think Kyle Shanahan's probably pretty excited to have the uh, rookie quarterback that they basically mortgaged the future for to to move up from 12 to three to get in last April's draft. Man, Iowa legend C.J. Beathard. <laughs> That's I can't believe he was running with
1: C.J. Beathard for a while. Um, all right, let's do our um, let's do our Monday night football preview. We got Monday night football tonight. Uh, we have it's going to be a fun game, I think. We have this podcast's favorite coach. Johnny Rudin coaching against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. That line was at Chargers minus three and a half, and it's moved down to kind of a crucial number of minus three against the Raiders tonight in L.A. Um, and, Nate, we were talking about first half unders. Let me see if I can get this number. But I am leaning towards the first half under in this game because the last number that I saw it at, was 26.5, and if I'm looking at it correctly, I see it at 25.5 now at some places. Now, you look at both these teams' first-half scoring. The Chargers scored 12.5 points a game in the first half, and Vegas scores about 10 points a game in the first half. So already their averages are less than what the first-half total is predicted to be.
0: I think that might be a play for me tonight, is that first-half under. If you want a, a, a more of a, a reason to go first-half under, Gus Bradley – the defensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders was with the Chargers the last four years. So he has familiarity, at least a little bit of Justin Herbert and a lot of the pieces in the offense. So if you were a little worried about like the Raiders defense holding up, maybe they at least show out well, knowing that Gus Bradley kind of will have an idea of what the Chargers are going to run, even though they have a new coaching staff on offense. But he knows some of the tendencies of Justin Herbert. Uh, for me, this is a pass. I think we can both agree the Raiders are probably a little overrated, don't deserve to be 3-0. and But this is a game I want to avoid them because they're the underdogs, so not much is expected of them. And also, even though this game is at Los Angeles at the Chargers Stadium, this is going to feel like a home game for the Raiders. The Raiders they used will. to be based in L.A. I mean, the Chargers never get home fans to begin with, and the Raiders are 3-0, and so it's going to be all the L.A. Raider fans will be in attendance of this. I actually checked the cheapest ticket before the show on StubHub, $270. And that is a big stadium, Ben. So I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of interest in this game. We kind of saw it in week two when the Cowboys fans invaded that stadium and caused some issues for the Chargers. I could see the same thing happening tonight. Although I just, I'm not going to bet the Raiders. I just don't believe in them. And I think Justin Herbert is one of those quarterbacks that's that good where you're worried about betting against them, especially at a short number like right now minus three. As this line is kind of bounced between minus three and minus three and a half.
1: Yeah, and I usually like taking player props in a situation like this where I don't, you know, you don't really know what the final score is going to be, but you know the the props just are not great. Herbert's over for his passing yardage is 302. That seems a little high to me. If anything, I might go under for that one. Um, They have his touchdown throws at 2.5. Derek Carr's at 1.5. Don't love those numbers for either player. Um, So I I may stay away from some of these props, but I do – I like the under in general for the game, but I really do like that first half under. Not enough to make it a best bet, but I think I'm going to be putting a little money on that first half under in a game like this because, again – we, we have not had much success picking against John Gruden this season. So I don't really want to do that again. Um, even though this is the fake John Gruden podcast, I don't think I can do that, uh, this week because I could absolutely see them being the underdog coming to the Chargers and, and just wiping the floor with them and everyone just being like, we, we had no idea this was going to happen, but the chart, the Raiders just show up and randomly beat the Chargers. That's easily something I can see happening.
0: Yeah, at least, at least the Dolphins got there last week, even though it wasn't, yes. uh, it wasn't easy by any stretch, but it was, uh, it was a result I enjoyed, even though the Raiders won straight up. So let's finish off the podcast. We usually finish it off with
1: the Monday Night Football bets on Monday, but Nate, we've got MLB playoffs. We've got MLB wildcard games coming up. We have one tomorrow, Yankees, Red Sox at Fenway, and then we have one on Wednesday, which I'm sure we could talk about more on Wednesday with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Um, but that Yankees game is is going to be interesting as they beat the Rays yesterday and they they're minus one twenty on uh, the money line with the Red Sox at plus one hundred. Um, and I know we could talk about the World Series winner in a second, but I don't know if do you have a lean in that game? I'm I was leaning a bit towards the Red Sox, um, but it's it's hard to bet against the Yankees, especially with the way they've been playing this season.
0: Yeah, it's in Boston. I know the Red Sox bullpen has really struggled and they were even lucky just to even get into this game. I I was hoping that the Blue Jays would at least a team that had a, a run differential plus 183 who missed the playoffs. I was hoping they would be be at least in a like a play-in game, a game 163 to then play yeah. at yankee or play against the Yankees. But the uh, Red Sox came back, beat the Nationals on Sunday. I'd probably go Yankees, just Garrett Cole. I know he hasn't pitched uh, Gray, particularly his last start, but I think when the uh, pressure's on, he could definitely come through for the Yankees. Only laying minus 120 in that matchup, especially if a unsure Red Sox, a leaky Red Sox bullpen at the moment, who won't have Chris Sale available in relief. That's he Started on Sunday, so Yankees are my lean. Um, do you want to talk about the World Series winner and my strategy? Yeah. I'll give a strategy out for that. Yeah,
1: well, the Dodgers are the favorite right now, um, plus 390 to win the World Series at a team that didn't even win their division. I've got money on the White Sox. I hit them when they were 8 to 1 back in, I want to say late July, early August. They're at now 7 to 1 to win the World Series. Astros second at plus 450. Um, White Sox and Giants are tied as a favorite at, they're both 7 to 1. But the Dodgers were the one that uh, was interesting for you, Nate, considering they didn't win the division. But they're the favorite to win the to win the World Series right now, and they're in the wild card game on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I just think it's crazy they're the favorites to win the World Series, even though they didn't win their division and they have a winner-take-all game. They are a minus-225 favorite in that game. They're going to send Max Scherzer to the Hill against Adam Wainwright. But I think if you like a different team, other than the Dodgers, you need to figure out what's going to happen on Wednesday before making a bet. If you think the Dodgers are going to win and beat the Cardinals, then wait until after that game and the odds reset to make any futures bets because there's going to be a little bit of drift on a team. Like a team like the Brewers or the Braves in the NL, their NL pennant odds are going to drift a little bit because the Dodgers made it to a best-of-five series. But if you think the Cardinals can pull off an upset and they've had a pretty magical September to get to this point, then bet now because if the Cardinals win and the Dodgers are out, then the whole the whole pool of uh, teams is going to kind of just deflate. And a team like the Astros, who are plus four fifty, probably going to be plus three fifty. A team like the White Sox, seven to one, maybe like plus five fifty, six to one. And like a team like the Giants, who are seven to one now, if they avoid the Dodgers and get to play the Cardinals in the NLDS, they probably go from like seven to one to plus four fifty. So. Before you bet on any MLB futures, if you like to do that before the playoffs begin, make sure to figure out what's going to happen Wednesday night. If you don't know, then just wait and see. You can always bet series matchups and individual games if you don't want to lock in a future before the postseason starts, but that's my word of advice for betting the <laughs> MLB postseason, which is a very unique setup this year because the favorite is in the card game and not the one seed or top seed. Uh, who will have two home games on over the weekend before the, uh, or when the NLDS starts.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll have more MLB stuff as the MLB playoffs go on. Maybe uh, try to talk to our old friend, Michael Rizzo, have him on the podcast to give us his MLB bets since he is the uh, major league baseball connoisseur when it comes to uh, major league baseball betting. But that'll do it for us today. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll be having, uh, hopefully, maybe some leans, maybe even an early best bet or two for what's seemingly a very fun and exciting weekend coming up for college football, and as always, for the NFL and maybe throw in some uh, NBA preseason picks and uh, some MLB playoffs picks. So picks Friday, Nate, this week should be a blast is basically what I'm getting at here. But good luck to everyone for Monday Night Football. Good luck in the uh, MLB playoffs for that Tuesday game. And uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday.